Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. We are recording early in the day, so there's a lot of energy. I feel like I could go out and run a marathon right now because it's only two o'clock in the afternoon. Dave, how are you? Do you actually run? No, I hate running. Because <laughs> oh, I run almost every day. I, I, you know, my dad was a college cross country runner. My cousins were college cross country runners. In fact, one of them was uh, in the process of going to the Olympics until she hit a, a had a, a career ending injury. Um, running runs in my family, no pun intended. I hate it. I feel like I'm going to die. No matter how much I run, uh, no matter how often I do it, no matter how much I try to love it, I hate it. Hate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a discipline, uh, and it's very. Uh, I've, look, to say I love it would be incorrect. I don't like having to do it, but as far as exercise, it's a good one for me. So I get out there and do it. I run up to thirteen miles before. I'm not sure oh. I could do that now, but I could probably do seven or eight. I usually do about four in a day. So, you know, it it's just a thing. There are a lot of things. I, I have an actual physical list that I made uh, one time about, oh, maybe 10 years ago. That was like my bucket list of things I wanted to do before I died. And running a half marathon and a marathon were both on that list. And neither of those things are remaining on that list. Not because I checked them off, because I decided they weren't really worth trying. <laughs> yeah, well, your, your bucket list evolves as you get... Uh... On in life, I've noticed that too. The the bucket becomes tilted in certain ways, and it's just like <laughs> things are what, falling out of the bucket. <laughs> what was I thinking of? Yeah, running that marathon is like, but it's not too late. I mean, I think you know. You know I, I, I think it was one of those things that I wanted to be able to say that I've done more than that I actually wanted to do. Uh, I I hate running. I hate it. I I hate it. So. Uh, no, I don't actually feel like I could run a marathon right now. I'd probably make it out my front door and down the street and have to sit down and, you know, look at the clouds for a while. <laughs> well, you could, you could run a marathon in sections. You could run like a hundred yards and. Oh, dog. I've absolutely. I mean, over the course of my life, I've run a marathon for sure. We'll, we'll, we'll count that. <laughs> it's like. It's like uh, over the course of no, I can't make. I was gonna make some kind of basketball comparison, but I can't. I can't do it. Apparently, my brain's not as tired as as awake as I was originally thinking. <laughs> well, if you went out and run, it would wake up and yell at you. That's the thing about um, running is like your brain completely yells at you the entire time. Well, first two minutes, first two minutes, your brain's going, "This is cool. We're awesome. We could run a hundred miles." And then about minute three, your brain's going, "Okay, are we done yet?" That's like, how long left to go? And then your brain really starts telling you all kinds of things about yourself that uh, are, are only partially true and are very disparaging. Yeah, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. I guess I shouldn't run. Yeah, like, I'm getting messages from Hart. We're really overloading him, and it's an inconvenience. <laughs> if you want Hart to keep working, you should probably stop now, okay? And also, Legs, they're screaming at us, and I don't like fielding these these texts from Legs. So, you know, uh, knock it off, and let's all just get along. Look, I watched LeBron James hit of 50 points at 37 years old. And in the meantime, me at 37, well, I'll be 37 in June, so almost 37 years old. I sprain my ankle in my sleep, but I wake up and can't walk. So like, this is, this is just not, I I'm past my athletic prime. I've accepted it. I have no desire to get back to it. Uh, I try to stay active, but I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be running any marathons. <laughs> yes. I'm past my athletic pride, but I still keep doing stuff anyway. So <laughs> silly me. <laughs> Well, the Blazers are not past their athletic prime. They Look haven't at that even for a hit transition. it yet. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> most of these guys aren't even close yet. They got and, six years. 
Yeah, it's been, so we we have a week of games to talk about. We recorded a little early last week, so the first one was the Utah game. They lost, the Blazers lost, um, which is kind of a win if we're trying to tank. And then we went on to play the Wizards and won. And everybody's like, wait, what's going on here? We're not supposed to win. Um, and then we played the Hawks last night and almost accidentally won again. <laughs> but we did accidentally end up losing that won. Game. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah, okay. So Utah was predictable. Like Rudy Gobert, uh, center, actual center. Uh, Blazers uh, haven't seen a center since back in aught two. Well, I mean, they have, but you know, it's, it's been, <laughs> they're not fielding any centers right now. Poor Drew Eubanks, who is doing a marvelous job, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he is. Drew Eubanks is just doing fantastically, watching him do the little things, watching him score with a half hook or, you know, a, a little turnaround, watching him rebound, watching him make the pass, did, set a pick. Go ahead. Did you see the, the statistic about his dunks? Him no. and Greg Brown. Greg Brown is leading the team in dunks right now significantly. I think he has like 23 or 30 or so, I don't know. This is a great statistic I'm giving you. And Drew Eubanks has is in second place for dunks with the team with 10 dunks. But at the rate that they're going, because obviously Drew hasn't played as much as Greg, at the rate that they're going, Drew is going to overtake Greg Brown for dunks by the end of the season. So it'll be he's 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 getting those in too. Until opponents figure out that the Blazers can't hit a three-pointer to save their life and start sticking four people in the lane. But uh yes, uh, I, I, Eubanks has been fantastic. But 6 foot 9 uh kind of a rent a center, you know, converted power forward uh versus Rudy Gobert uh <laughs> is not going to be okay. So yeah, I mean, that one, you chalk up that loss, and the, the, the Jazz were pummeling Portland inside. But Portland scored, what, 70 points in the paint against Washington? I mean, that's criminal negligence on the part of Washington's defense, especially since, like I said, watching the Blazers shoot three-pointers is like watching the circus. Like, oh, my gosh, is that trapeze artist going to make it? And every time they don't. So, like, I'm not under, I, I don't understand what Washington was thinking, but that was a fun game to watch. And, hey, the, the, the Blazers deserve a win every once in a while. They're playing yeah. hard, and, and they they did well. And then they went out to prove it against the Hawks, and like you say, almost did. They got a little too much Trey Young, but really that game showed us where the uh, where the rub is, which is Portland was great when they ran, and Atlanta was not prepared for them. Atlanta thought, we're going to cruise in this game. It's the rent of Blazers, and it, no. Um, Portland actually forced turnovers, ran out, dunked, passed the ball, and Atlanta did not get back on defense well. Uh, and the Blazers were fantastic until they got slowed down into a half-court game, which Atlanta did in the second half, and they made the game slow. They made the game a chess match, and Portland was like, I don't know how to do this. And then Atlanta just uh, pretty much tore them up. So that, that's going to be the story of these Blazers. If you let them go and let them run, they're fantastic. But if you make them play half-court uh, measured basketball, uh, all the flaws show up. Yeah, it's definitely been fun to watch these last few games. You know, I, I think there's been a, a shift, at least for me, I think we talked about this briefly on the podcast before, but there's been a little bit of a shift for me where I'm watching them differently. I'm cheering for them differently, knowing that, you know, at this point, we're probably going to lose the majority of the games. And that's kind of on purpose. Um, again, I reiterate the fact that it's not on purpose of the players. The players are not tanking. And this is evidenced in these last few games. These guys are out there playing for their lives. They're playing for their career. They're playing for their contracts. They're, they're trying to do the best that they can in order to be in the best place possible. And we're seeing that, you know, it, it's really interesting when this was a conversation we had last season, or we've had before about guys on the court with Damian Lillard. When you put guys on the court with Damian Lillard, there's a sense in which Damian Lillard can do it all. He's Damian Lillard. And so some of the other guys seem to kind of back off a little and not play quite to their full potential because they have Damian Lillard. And I think what we're seeing right now is what happens when you take that away and you have guys that are, you know, that are maybe not as experienced that are younger that haven't had as significant of minutes but they're getting the opportunity to go out there and and play hard and they aren't playing there, there's 
there's no expectation of them. There's no Damian Lillard currently playing with them. There's no, like, they just, they get to go out there and just play their hearts out. And that's what we're seeing. And honestly, it's really fun to watch. I am finding that I really enjoy watching the games um, a lot more this way than when we have a, a stacked roster or stacked as it's been and, and we're struggling. This is more fun. Um, so, it, and, and, you know, Josh Hart, Josh Hart has been one of those guys where he was an unexpected pickup. I wasn't really sure where we were going with that. I wasn't sure if we were going to keep him long-term or if he was going to come in and move out. Looks like they're planning to keep him long-term from everything they're saying. And he is just, man, if ever there was a player that came in and found his spot with this team, he just slid right in there and fit in the fans love him. He's playing his heart out. He, he went for, I mean, he's had over 40 points now twice in a row. No, he had uh, 44 one night and 31 the next. Oh, so close, close. But he's, he's, I mean, that's really 44 points. That's a lot of points to score. And he, he went out there and did that. I think it was his, his personal high. So, you know, he's, he's coming in and really finding his, his place here and Portland loves him. Yeah. Part of that, of course, as you say, is to space around him that he has any shots he wants to take. He can, but he's been running plays. Uh, he's been initiating plays is what I want to say. Uh, he's also been on the receiving end kind of catch and shoots or cuts so he's gone both ways he'll obviously be more on the second than the first when everybody comes back healthy but he can do either and that's the point uh he's been confident shooting outside if not exactly effective he's he's not been bad uh and he cutting to the hoop uh, especially off the dribble hey he's pretty serviceable there which is uh, a skill that the new look Blazers are actually going to need even when Lillard and company come back because they don't have CJ McCollum anymore, right? Uh, obviously, Anthony Simons can do it, but this is not Dame's. Dame is not going to be a go-to-the-hole guy a ton anymore, right? Uh, Simons actually prefers to shoot the three, uh, and Hart can be one of those guys who, you know, gets to the bucket. That's good. He also plays defense, uh, and he also passes. So kind of a utility uh, Swiss Army knife, but he's shown that that little spork in the Swiss Army knife is really, really shiny and maybe gold-plated with this, you know, 75 points in two games. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't continue to keep him. Uh, there's no reason to trade him away, and you either use him on your squad or He's now looking like really attractive uh, trade chip. He's done everything that you could imagine. Uh, and so that was obviously uh, a big plus for Portland, even though they lost CJ. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm at the point now where I'm getting really excited for next year. Like looking forward to having Nurk back, having Dane back, having Ant back, having Nasir back, like having these guys back that I, I really miss watching them play. Um, and then having guys like Josh Hart and and some of these new guys that I, I it's hard to really anticipate who's still going to be here and who's not. So I, I, I struggle to really, add, I mean, they've been pretty adamant about, I've heard them say that he's, you know, that they're planning to keep him short of that. I, I struggle to say who's going to be here next year. Cause I know they're kind of mid movement with this and, and there's still more moves I'm anticipating are coming in the off season, but I'm getting excited to see what they put together. And I think that this is going to be a fun team to watch. I, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they do, but it would not surprise. Uh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself yet. I'm well, just getting excited. There are not that many people they can move, frankly. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is a free agent, so he'll either stay or go, but they won't move him unless they sign and trade him, and that's not real common nowadays. Uh, Damian Lillard, of course, would be the big one, that one we talked about already. Uh, there's Hart, no reason to move him unless you're going to, you know, obviously make a trade with him. That's certainly a possibility, but unless they have, who are they going to get that's, that's a better fit? Uh, alongside Lillard, unless a star comes available, you probably don't have to worry about that too much. Uh, Anthony Simons, again, free agent. He's not really tradable. Uh, I'm not sure who else is left who has a well, lot of trade value. I just meant, I just meant of all these new pickups, all these guys that you know they've got Justice Winslow and they've got Keon Johnson and they got all these guys that we don't really know where they're going to shake out. Right, at this but point. you can they tell by. Up- 
you could tell by contract. I mean, Justice Winslow has one more year left. They'll be paying him, and they'll probably keep him at $4 million unless a super attractive trade offer comes up. Keon Johnson is on his rookie contract, staying. Nasir Little, staying. I mean, again, the asterisk yeah. is if there's a sweetheart deal. But literally, the Blazers are operating solely by contract now, almost. There's no reason to get rid of anybody who has a reasonable contract because you're not going to gain anything from it unless there's a really great trade. So, yeah, I mean, you can I, I think that a lot of the roster we see now, as far as significant players, is going to be the roster they start next year with uh, the minimum contract players, probably not. And that's half the roster, granted. But look, uh, you know, uh, if, you, if you're talking about the top guys, they're cemented in absence a trade. Right. Right. I wasn't really talking about the top guys. I'm talking about the bottom ones, the guys that are kind of new. We don't really know where they're going as far as trade. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I, I, I don't think they were done trading. I think when when the deadline hit, they were still I mean, even they said there were a couple guys they were targeting. They weren't able to work out deals for. So that's 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 all I say. Like there there still could be movement in, in the offseason. There could be. But I mean, the trade cupboard is either Lillard or Hart or Bear at this point. You know, uh, there's not there's not a lot of moves left because those minimum salary guys, first of all, won't be with the team. I mean, they'd have to re-sign them. Uh, I guess Nasir Little, you know, he's another one. Uh, Keon Johnson is is another one. But again, how much how much are these guys really going to draw? Uh, there's not a there's not a big trade out there that's going to center around Little and Johnson. So, I th- I think actually we're pretty set. X out all the minimum contract guys, give or take a Kevin Eubanks, or Kevin, sorry, uh, Drew Eubanks. And then, uh, you know, the top guys pretty much stay until they're moved. Let's talk about Trenton Watford. Trenton Watford has been uh, exciting, in my opinion. Um, he was, I, I, I love stories like Trenton Watford. He was undrafted, and then they pulled him up, and here he is, and he's playing he is playing so many minutes and he's playing so well. He's now, I, I again, I got to write these things down when I read them. Um, but I saw something yesterday that said he's the first rookie since Damian Lillard to have this many 20 point games in a row. I don't remember how many it was though. I want to say it was like five or six, four, five, something like that. Um, so he's, he's being consistent. That to me shows consistency and, and that's great. And it's not like, you know, I know we're we're not playing our full roster, but the teams that we're playing against were kind of out of that phase where everybody was out because of COVID and it was just up in the air. Teams are mostly playing their rosters again. So th- this is, they're matching up against, you know, the the full rosters of most teams or, or mostly full. And he's really being consistent and really contributing. And I cannot say enough how valuable this time is for guys like Trenton Watford. You know, this time that he's getting to play consistent NBA minutes, you know, game after game after game after game, that's really going to pay off in his confidence, in his skill set, in, in, you know, in his consistency, that's going to pay off when he goes to play next year. He's going to have so much more confidence than if he'd sat the bench all year while everybody else played, he's getting that, that, you know, he, he's seeing it and he has there. That's the, that's the upside to a season. Like we're having is there's not really a lot of expectation on these guys and they know it. So they can go out there and not be afraid that they're going to mess everything up. They can go out there and just do their thing and get the experience and build that confidence. And next year when they're playing beside Dame and beside Nurk and Ant and, and Nasir and these guys that are a little bit more experienced with this team, they're going to have that confidence from the season that they have under their belts. So that's a really big upside to what's currently going on. And I'm excited about Trendon. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to continue to be fun to watch. He's a, he's a, a you know, he's been a fun player and, and I, I think he's going to play significant minutes even going forward next season. Yeah. The points thing okay, no other rookie is going to get enough shots since Damian Lillard came on board to score that much, okay? But the fact that he can do it is a revelation or is a feather in his cap because, look, somebody's going to score points on this team. The Blazers are not going to score 70. Uh, An NBA team will score 100 and divide that by the number of players who play, and anybody who plays is kind of going to get that. But that it's Watford fairly consistently, and the, as you say, the confidence that builds in, builds in him, that's big. Uh, 
the thing about Watford that surprises me is that quite a few people seem to be on the bandwagon that he's not really a great athlete. And I don't understand where this is coming from. I mean, I understand that athleticism nowadays is defined by either lightning quick or can jump out of the gym like Greg Brown III. And Watford isn't either of those things. But he is strong. He seems to have stamina to burn. I mean, he's one of the guys where if you look at his play in the fourth quarter and how he's shooting the ball and how he's running, it looks real similar to his play in the first quarter. I mean, it's just he does not appear to get tired. Uh, He's able with his body to set screens, to absorb uh, contact. He's not as strong as he's going to be, but he's still not bad. And he can dunk. Uh, I don't. I don't get this. I don't get this. He's not an athlete. He looks like an actual NBA athlete to me. Uh, you know, comparing him to like Buck Williams is silly because Buck was an all-star and a physical specimen. But Buck Williams was not necessarily lightning fast, uh, nor was he a huge dunker, but he was a real athlete. And I think with some conditioning, uh, some strength work, uh, and uh, just growing into himself— that Watford, I mean, he won't be Buck Williams, but he will be, I think, that kind of athlete. And I, I, there's nothing not to like about him. And I'm not worried about him a bit. I think here or somewhere, he's probably going to find a role on an NBA team that matters. Will he start? That's up to him and situation. But can he play 20, 25 minutes a game for just about any team in the NBA? I believe that he will do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the whole idea of somebody being athletic or not athletic, I, I, I wish we could come up with a different word for that because <laughs> there's not a guy in the NBA that's not athletic. Like I get what they're saying. I get, I get that wording for that. I understand what they're saying. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think Trendon is, is, you know, the, the guy is just bouncy energy from start to finish. And, and so it is interesting to hear that. Um, but yeah, he, he's been fun. I, I, I think he's really making a name for himself. I'm seeing his name show up a lot more as, as people are talking about the NBA and basketball outside of just Blazers fans this season. Um, and I think that's always a good sign too, when, when you start to kind of create rumblings around your name outside of just the fans of the franchise, that that's a big deal. And you know what I like, uh, from what I've been able to tell so far, uh, his mind he seems to have a mind yeah. for the game. Yeah. And why that excites me is because b- besides a decent level of athleticism and commitment, you know what you need to be a good defender? You need to be able to anticipate, read read the game, and you need persistence, okay? Uh, not giving up. And he seems to have both of those things at a reasonable level already. And I think that that could actually be built on. And Watford could, now I'm not saying he will, but he's as close to a player as I've seen come along in a while of like, okay, this guy could be the total package. Maybe not a superstar, but this guy could be the guy who scores well, who really helps out everybody else in the offense, and who also defends well and is able to rebound like all the tools right there. And Gosh, what other Blazers can you say that about right now? I mean, Lillard is not. Josh Hart, yes. Uh, Anthony Simons, probably not. Uh, Even, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, not quite in the same way. So, uh, again, uh, Watford is not at the level of any of those players, yet he may never get there. But if you look at potential to be something, you know, really solid, I like him. Yeah. I do too. I also really like Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn, we've just signed to a 10 day. Um, I'm going to dip into my G League talk again here and say that Chris Dunn is coming from the Clippers G League, which is the team that I shoot regularly, uh, I photograph regularly down here. So, you know, I've gotten to know these guys and, and I watch them play a couple times a week, uh, you know, from, from, the court while I'm shooting and he has been with that team for a while. He came mid season. So he hasn't been there the whole season, but he's been with the team for a little while. And he's one that 
again, just really stood out. There's a few guys that have been on this team where I thought, okay, that guy should be playing in the NBA. And Chris is one of those guys. Um, he is very defensive minded. I mean, if he watched last, last night, he debuted for the Blazers. And if you watch that game, you got to see some of that, you know, he's really a defensive player, um, which is something that the Blazers historically have needed, or at least in the last couple seasons, we've struggled there. And so that's nice to see. Although I do think we're getting a lot better at that with these new players that we've brought in. I think that's something that's being thought about. And he's just, he's a, he's a dynamic player and, and I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, obviously last night he came straight in to, to being with the team and immediately went in and played. Um, it's interesting because he's coming from the Clippers organization. He played with Keon Johnson uh, for that Clippers G League team. Um, and, you know, obviously uh, Chauncey was with the Clippers. They made a trade and got a couple other guys that were with the Clippers. Um, so we have quite a few guys that are, are familiar with that team. And I think the fact that Chauncey has a history there and probably is running some of the same kinds of plays and things it makes it an easy fit for those guys to come in and just play with the team but I think it'll be interesting to see you know it's a 10-day hardship contract so I don't know if it'll extend beyond that but I'm excited to get to see him for a little while you know for me personally it's always really cool when I get to watch these guys that two days ago I was standing on a court with and now they're you know especially in this case they're playing for the team that I really enjoy watching so that's that's pretty cool that is super cool. And, uh, you know, he has uh, he has a couple moves. And I think he had a nice all-around game uh, versus Atlanta. Had a couple yeah. steals like that. And, and assists, you know, not necessarily yeah. uh, easy on night one for someone to come in and make plays. Now, right. lots of turnovers and lots of fouls, too. Uh, but that's to he be expected. <laughs> I know. Uh, I've seen him do that before. I don't think, I think he's, he again, you know, when you get guys that are playing aggressively, sometimes that's going to happen. Yeah. Especially when you're the new guy on the floor. NBA yeah. refs are going to go, no, 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 no. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> sure. I mean, he, I think he had an okay first night. The, one, the guy who really, I think, showed something extra against Atlanta was Brandon Williams. The yeah, way that man, he is. Oh, that he, he yeah. got to the hole. If you have not seen that game, you should go back and look at it a little bit and just watch what Williams does. And granted, he's been scoring big for a month now. But yeah, his moves to the hoop made it seem like he was on 1.5 speed and everybody else was on normal. And yeah. that was an area of his game. It's kind of come out a little bit, but he really showed it consistently against the Hawks. And it's like you're going, okay, Trey Young scored 44, but there was one point guard who was just baking the other team, like you know, in a hot oven when when they he was headed to the rim, and that was Williams. And you know, it, gosh, the number of point guards who have come through Portland auditioning for that backup role and have never been able to stick. So we're still going, Seth Curry, we miss you. And it's like, okay, okay. Um, maybe this guy, maybe this guy's the guy. And that would be interesting. Now, his point guardness still needs some work. <laughs> he still, as a playmaker and defensively, still needs some work. But gosh, instant microwave offense off the bench. And, you know, he's showing something. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one that just kind of, I didn't, I didn't catch when they initially brought him on. Uh, usually I, you know, I'm following what's going on and I see those things, but he's one that snuck through every, there was a lot that was going on and things were happening really fast and I just missed it. And all of a sudden he was playing with the team and it was like, wait, what happened here? And he's, I've been impressed ever since. I mean, he is just, I just, it's, it's got to be such a cool feeling for these guys to get to the place where they're getting the opportunity to do this. And, and especially again, in this sort of circumstance where they're getting more minutes than, you know, some of the more younger unexperienced players would normally get. And, and to be able to go out there and just do, I mean, they are taking full advantage of this opportunity and I love it. I am loving watching this happen. And I think he's one that's really, really again, getting good use out of this time and this, opportunity to really develop his game yeah i mean and as you say this is the bonus to not caring about wins and losses uh i, I said this too and i've said this in a couple recaps the blazers are playing so naturally 
Meaning that everybody out there on the floor is going after it, and especially on offense, is taking their shot without concern. That's really pretty rare for a group of people who are brand new, especially people who are trying to make the league. Always looking over your shoulder, trying not to make the wrong play instead of going and making the right one. And look, the mistakes are plentiful enough that they just become white noise. The good things, though, are standing out. And I think that's credit to the coach that at this point he's implemented a system that people can understand, but also that he wants to see something from them. Like, okay, you go out and you take your shot. If you miss your shot, fair, but I want you taking it. And let me let me coach you. Let me pull you out. <laughs> let me do the do whatever. You don't discipline yourself. <laughs> you don't you don't you don't edit yourself. Go out there and you write what you or not write, but you shoot what you shoot, right? That's that's good. That's that's exactly what the Blazers need. And that sense of joie de vivre, that uh, c'est la vie, French basketball stuff. Uh, you <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you don't often see that in a team that's going to lose and that is this in this situation. So I mean, full credit to the team and to the coaching staff for creating that kind of environment. And darn it if they don't win or almost win every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, this season has unexpectedly turned into fun basketball. You know, when, when we started seeing guys go down and, and Dame first, obviously, and then the, you know, the dominoes fell, it was discouraging and and a little bit depressing as a Blazer fan to to have that realization of of what the season may look like. But what's ended up happening is it's been fun basketball, and and I just really am grateful for that. I'm grateful right. that the seasons turned out to be fun as as opposed to what it could have been. Well, it's a mental emotional shift that we made a third of the way through the season, and then everybody else I think followed. Part of that definition of fun is because there are no expectations of winning. If you were expecting a winning season or the Blazers to do well, this would not be a fun season. And by the way, as fun and interesting as this is, I don't think there's anybody suggesting that this will turn into winning basketball anytime soon. And in fact, even with, you know, Brandon Williams and Trenton Watford or whatever, uh, even with Josh Hart, absent a major injection of talent, this is not going to turn out to be successful. But one can at least, if you're starting from zero, which is pretty close to where my expectations have gone now, look, there are little things to like about this that might turn into big things later, depending on the scenario and situation. But unless things change radically this summer, which unlike you, I don't think... I don't think that's going to happen. Give or take the draft picks. The draft well, picks. I'm not are the saying big... radically. Well, I mean, <laughs> but they need to. That's what we're talking about is trade, like big trade. Uh, yeah. But this is this is still a decline. This is still a reset going on here. But you can begin to see the positive motion in the reset. And I think when that happens, that's all anybody can ask. Yeah. Yeah. We've also got Drew Eubanks, who's another one that's been on 10 days. He's had two... 10-day contracts, uh, usually that would be the end of that. Um, They would have to make a decision about him as far as signing him for the rest of the season or not. But with COVID and and all the things, they've dropped those restrictions this season. And so he has been signed to a third 10-day contract, um, which is, I believe, unprecedented. And I don't think that's in normal years, they don't do that. So that's something that's just happening uh, this this season. But he's been signed to his third 10-day contract, um, and we'll continue to play with the Blazers as of now, um, which I'm glad to see, because like you said, or like we said earlier in the in the podcast, he's been contributing and he's been really making a difference out there, especially when we don't have a center. Um, <laughs> Portland's big three, <laughs> Watford, Williams and Eubanks. I mean, <laughs> what a thought. Obviously, Josh Hart, you're in there, too. I get it. But like, <laughs> yeah, the Blazers have a big three now. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? But yeah, Eubanks. Look, his his ceiling is more limited than Watford's. But I've learned this. Look, I haven't hung around a lot of professional players. I'm not going to oversell that at all. But there's a look and an attitude 
that professional, professional players have. And it's just that kind of thing where throw me in the middle of the ocean, leave me, and damn it, I'm going to swim. I'm not going to, you know, I, you, you may, I'm, I may go under. I may get eaten by sharks, but those sharks are going to find me swimming. And it's not always like a real demonstrative thing. Like, ah, I'm going to fight. I'm going to go fight, win. It's literally, no, okay, I, I'm just, watch these arms moving, watch these legs go, uh, and you will not stop me until you rip this ball out of my hands, and I'm going to do what's right, and I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to keep playing. Eubanks has that, kind of, it, it feels like. Eubanks just, okay, look, I'm going up against a seven foot two center who blocks shots. Okay, here's my hook shot. <laughs> you yeah. know, get it if you can, but I'm putting it up. Uh, you, out, you outweigh me by 50 pounds? Okay, but we're both fighting for this rebound. Um, my NBA career is on the line perhaps here, and I, I need to make a good impression. Fine. Yeah. I'm going to make a good impression on this play by passing the ball to the guy who is open. Okay. Again, how many of those little things, uh, nuances, and how much of that commitment have we missed over the past few years, especially from players with much higher profiles who have been brought in to fill roles? This guy appears to not only fill the role, but really with commitment and with relish and with that kind of professional athlete, this is what I do. Try and stop me. Uh, there's something really attractive about that. I, I, yeah. I, I, I've got to respect that. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's, I keep saying fun to watch, but we, we've filled the roster with guys that are fun to watch, frankly. And, and I agree. I think, I think you just nailed part of why this season has been so fun because you've got exactly that. You've got guys that are kind of improbable in this situation. They're going up against I mean, Trenton Watford guarding LeBron James was one of the highlights of my season. Uh, I, you know, he, he went at he, it too. Did you see that? He did, and and he did it well. And and you know, you can say what you want about the Lakers currently. We all know that they're in a state of disarray. But LeBron James is still LeBron James, even at 37, as based on the fact that he went out and scored 50 points. You know, relatively within two, a couple games of each other, and and Trenton Watford held his own. And I think that there's something really cool about watching these guys that, that nobody really knew as of last year, or weren't even in the league in some cases as of last year coming out here and just throwing themselves into the, the shark tank. And I am throwing a lot of words together here, but just fighting it out and battling it out and just you know, to the death, essentially, they are out there. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to give in. They're not going to give up. They're going to go out there and they're going to play their hearts out against whoever it is that's on the other side of this. And there's something about that in a, in a, in a league where there's superstars and there's, you know, guys that get rest time and there's guys that, you know, flop and throw fits about calls and things like that. There's something really refreshing about watching this younger generation of basketball players go out there, play their hearts out without a complaint, without a, you know, well, you know, it's LeBron James and I can't do it. They just throw themselves into it. And, and we're seeing results from that. And I think that those are results that are going to pay off in the long run. And it's just really, it makes it really fun. It's, it just feels, it feels pure to me. It feels like guys that just want to be there. They're fighting for their shot and they're going out there and giving it, giving it their all night after night after night. And I love that. Did you watch LeBron when Watford tried to guard him too, or guarded him? It was yes. it was uh, it was hilarious. LeBron's like, I need to check your ID first. I don't know who you are, uh, but and he does but now. Not, yeah, he does. And uh, Watford made him miss a couple times, and it, but it was just like, I don't know. There was a moment there where. LeBron was ready to dismiss him and Watford just showed no fear. He didn't go harder either. He didn't really, you could tell he, he, he had his chest out enough to where he's going, you know what you're going to, I'm legitimately going to defend you. I am not playing at this and I'm not in awe lining up next to you, or at least I'm not going to show it, but he didn't do that thing where he's like, you're LeBron. So I'm going to go super extra hard at you yeah. and absolutely. He just did what he knew out. how to do. Uh, yeah. And it's like that. It was just, 
a moment. And you could watch it, it play in the subtext. And you got to think that maybe, I mean, I don't think it affected LeBron one way or another in terms of walking away from that game. He's still LeBron. But in that moment, there was almost a little nod going on there. Like, okay, that's nice professional basketball there. I, I, I like it. Yeah, I think back to the bubble uh, when um, Wenyan Gabriel was going against LeBron James and LeBron gave him a bloody nose. <laughs> There's footage of Wenyan coming off the court and saying, did you see that? I got a bloody nose. I've never had a bloody nose before. LeBron James gave me my first bloody nose. And there's got to be this kind of cool sense of awe in being a rookie player and being on the court with LeBron James and being able to hold your own. You know, there, there, there are players in the NBA that are always going to hold some sense of awe. LeBron James, like him or hate him, is one of those players. He's one of the best players who's played the game. And so you have a, a rookie going up against him and holding his own. And man, I hope he went home and called everyone he knew and told them how well he played against LeBron James because what a cool moment. I know that this wasn't from this week, but... No, we, no, no, no. He didn't. That, that's not it. He's going to say video that he's going to be showing his grandchildren like, <laughs> look what grandpa did. Yeah, <laughs> that's LeBron James. You know what that was? That's the guy on Mount Rushmore. And I stopped him. <laughs> that's yeah, how good your yeah. grandpa was. Yeah, it's so cool. It's just so cool. Um, it kind of related to that, I guess, throwing it back a little bit is, um, you know, a, a big name in, in Blazers history and and current is retiring. Uh, Bill Shonley, who was the original voice of the Blazers back in, in 71, when the 70. Blazers, 70, 70, 70, when the Blazers initially became a team, um, he was the the play-by-play -play announcer. He's gone on to do a lot of different things in his time with the team. Um, but the one thing that, that I want to kind of spotlight uh, that whether you know who he is or not, you will know is Rip City. You know, we this is something that a lot of people it's 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 associated with the Blazers just as much as Trailblazers for the most part. I mean, it goes on uniforms, it goes on uh, clothing, it it gets said regularly. You know, there's moments where there's a a clip of Dame coming and grabbing the mic and yelling Rip City and. Um, I, a lot of people maybe don't know where that comes from, but that comes from Bill Shonley. He was a, an announcer. It was the first season that the Blazers ever played, and they were playing against the Lakers. Our, our rivalry goes back a long time, and they were playing against the Lakers, and they were not winning. The Lakers had a good year that year and, and went on, I think, to the Western Conference Finals that year. And the Blazers were playing, and it wasn't going well, but... Um, Jim Barnett hit a lot and this was before that there was a three-point shot this was like before the NBA recognized that there was a three-point shot um, but he hit a shot from very deep and he just Bill Shonley just yelled rip city and it became a thing he said he doesn't know where it came from it just kind of came out and that phrase was coined and used and it's continued to be used over the years. It, it, you know, he's, he's also responsible for the bingo, bango, bongo. Um, and, and some of those things that we don't hear so much anymore, but I remember as a kid, that was a big part of like the nineties blazers and, and things like that. So there's a lot of rich history surrounding Bill Shonley and, and his part with the, with the trailblazers. So seeing him continue to be a part of this franchise this long, you know, into his 90s. He's in his 90s now. Um, he's been with the franchise since the franchise existed. And it's just, it's it's really cool to to see how, how long he's been there. Um, but he will be retiring now. Yeah, if we go back in the Wayback Machine, before internet and before, you know, in the Stone Ages, there was TV, but not every game was televised and that TV was, uh, for the most part, pay-per-view. I mean, you would, if it wasn't nationally broadcast, and there were a small number of local games broadcast, but that was vanishingly small. In fact, in the 70s, it was, it was none, basically. Uh, you, you couldn't see the Blazers unless you bought a ticket 
or uh, once a year, maybe they would be on TV, or they would also. Sorry, cats get in my way. Once a year, you would get on. Uh, they would get on TV. You might see them then, uh, or you could go to like closed circuit or whatever pay. So the vast majority of people would not see them. What you had was radio, and what you had was that kind of word painting that the best radio play-by-play people did. And you felt that you not only knew the players, but knew the entire game through the description of whoever that voice was. And Bill Shonley, in his work, created legions of fans, entire generation of fans, were present at those games through him. And they learned not only what happened, but how to love what happened and how to interpret what happened through him. He was their connection. That crescendoed, of course, in the 1977 playoffs when the Blazers won it all unexpectedly. But by the time they showed up on national TV, which, by the way, was very late compared. Now, again, every single playoff game, let alone every single game, is televised. You can watch it. Most people did not see the Blazers play Chicago or Denver. They would tune in when they hit the conference finals versus Kareem and the Lakers. Uh, And you already knew who they were. You recognized them because Bill had described them to you. And you were already in love with them, not just because they were winning, but because you felt like these people were in your house, in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever your radio was, every night they played. And this was the thing, too. You could be out and about. You could be in your car. You could be with other people at the beach, at river, whatever. And his voice would be the soundtrack for your sports life. So uh, what he did should not be underestimated. Uh, the championship obviously brought life to everything, but the groundwork, the bucket in which all that joy went, was really framed in large part through him. And if it weren't for him, we would not have known the players, the team, or the game in the same way. Yeah. What a le- what a legacy to be leaving behind, you know, of somebody that has been with the team for its entire existence um, and, and to have left such a, an impactful imprint on so many fans for so many decades. There are very few people who can say that they've done that. I mean, even the best player who played with the Portland Trailblazers didn't have the same longevity that this man did. And, and so to be, you know, to get to be there to witness every single great player that's ever played for this franchise and in the NBA, because he wasn't, obviously he was watching them play against other teams. So he he's watched every great that's ever played and ever come through and, and been a part of that, man, there, there are not a lot of people who, who can say that they've done that. And, and this is somebody that, you know, is, is very special for, for Portland and, and Portland Trailblazers fans. So I'm glad that he's retiring. Um, you know, it, it's always a little bit scary when you see some, some kind of headline come through about somebody that's older, you know, <laughs> I read that and I thought, wait, oh no. And then I realized he was retiring and I felt much better, but it's, it's really cool to get to see, um, you know, his, his career come to a, a happy end and, and be able to, you know, sit back and, and relax and maybe enjoy basketball on, on the other side for a while. On the other side of the broadcast, not of life. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a bit since, I mean, he's been an ambassador for years, but yeah. I would I would venture to say that Damian Lillard, Lillard is really the only relatively Seanly untouched great memory in the franchise's memory banks. Uh, Everything Bill Walton championship era uh, was very much enmeshed in Sean Lee. And even in the Drexler era, he was still the voice 
I mean, he was. There were other means of viewing, and it was a different world. But still, it's that image of Clyde sitting with Bill Shonley at center court, getting interviewed, where you feel like, okay, this circle is complete, and the really the franchise and and the players are one. And it was only when Bill was there, when that happened. Now, in the Witsit era, the early, you know, the the mid early mid Paul Allen era, they had a falling out. And they went another direction. I think there was some bitterness there, uh, and rightfully so. So you had some years with, like, Rashid Wallace and the Jailblazer years where Sean Lee was less of a voice. Uh, but those weren't fantastic memories for most people anyway. And he came back in an ambassadorial role after and did a little bit of stuff. But by the time Lillard showed up, really, Sean Lee had ebbed. And Dame really created his own field there. But that's the one. That's that everything else that you know of the Blazers that's good, I think Sean Lee is wrapped up in. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, it, it's there, there's a lot that's really cool about being a, a lifelong fan of a franchise. There's a lot that's really cool. I, I know that in this day and age, a lot of people are players of fans, players of fans. <laughs> fans of well, yes, yeah, sometimes they play. <laughs> people play the fans as well that's why we're here trying to get some truth and logic in there so much for recording at two o'clock and knowing you know that my brain was going to work um there there are people in in this day and age there are a lot of of fans of specific players that you know will follow players from team to team or they like you know the golden state warriors because of steph or they like the lakers because of lebron or they like the Nets because of Kevin Durant, you know, whatever it is, there are a lot of people who will follow that. And there's nothing wrong with that. If Dame ever moves on and is not a trailblazer, I will be a fan of whatever team he is on to some degree. It's like the Pelicans with CJ right now. I'm, I'm a little bit of a Pelicans fan at the moment. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there's something to that, but there, I, there, it's really a special thing when you can be a fan of a team no matter what, win or lose, you know, trade or no trade, that's your team. That's that's where you are. That's who you know. That's who you cheer for. And I think that guys like Bill are are a part of that. You know, there there's still consistency even as players come and go. And and you you build attachments to other people that are involved in the franchise and the franchise itself. And he's you know he's been a part of that. So we wish him the best. Um, and and you know hopefully he'll still be around for at, at blazers events and things like that here and here and there very good well thank you so much for being with us we appreciate you as always episode 70 is in the books but we will be back 70. with episode 71 next week and hopefully we'll have some more exciting stuff to talk about uh brandon williams scores 50 i don't know josh hart scores 70 I don't know if Carl Anthony Towns can score 60 uh, on a team with other players. Surely Josh Hart can score 60 in a team where only he's shooting. So we'll see. Anyway, uh, we will talk to you. <laughs> we will talk to you. We almost week. made it through the episode, Dave. We all without what? What what I say? <laughs> we'll talk to you later. All right. <laughs> we'll see you next week. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop. But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here and out of you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>